Well, it's the dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop up a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, So how did I make Adam a liar? I could I could think of how I, I could say how you've jinxed me in the wins pool and I'm down to single digit lead. You have nine wins lead with less than nine win nine games to go. I think. Oh, Bezo doesn't know what he's talking about. He's winning by twenty points. You are against me, and that's all that fucking matters. God damn. Fucking. I don't get booze for coming second. Well, I don't get booze at all, so it's just a matter of who I'm buying for. That's true. Is this a podcast? Are we talking so about? What, 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 what did Adam ruin for me? Is this content? <laughs> sure. Holy shit, that's a nice beer. Sure. I, I have ideas this week. Really? Unlock the full experience on Microsoft Edge. I don't think so. Lock the full experience in a box and throw it out the fucking window. So, quite a bit. Has happened, but not happened <laughs> in the NBA. It's like still impossible to talk about the Western Conference because you make grand sweeping statements and one day happens and everything's completely wrong. I just don't know. Other than the Mavs are bad, I think we can. I think we can officially say the Mavs They're probably are bad, bad. And I have a solution. Well, I, I think we need to probably point something important out. It doesn't appear to be Kyrie's mm. fault. Like no. it's <laughs> no, I think that I think the problems happened way before. Yeah, like he he's in. he's he's just sort of a, a distraction. He sort of is, is existing over in the corner, but he's not. He doesn't appear to be responsible for any of this. And your boy Luca is is really coming apart at the seams, is he not? With he, he getting texts and and in fact, he almost ended up on the um. Sort of Draymond Green, Dylan Brooks levels of text. Well, isn't this an interesting test case for, you know, nature versus nurture NBA style, right? You know, if Tim Duncan goes to the the 90s Celtics, does he become Tim Duncan? Or, you know, because wasn't Rick Pitino the coach then? Or that they had a couple of really bad coaches around that time. Yeah, although Rick Pitino wasn't a bad coach. He just wasn't – he just – and he was a decent pro coach when he was with the Knicks the first time. It's just that in the interim, when he came back in the 90s, he he'd had too much smoke blown up his ass as a college coach. And, and then he, he just thought he could just college coach his way through it, and it did not work out that way at all. Also, he's a weird vampire. But, you know, he, he, he sort of found his nirvana – coaching and, and organisation-wise with the Spurs. So does he have the same career in a different organisation? And that's really what it feels like with Luca for me. It's like, would have he been better off at Sacramento? <laughs> Maybe. They're, they're building much more sustainably a- around their stars this time around. I don't know. Maybe he would have been better off at Sacramento. Um, would have he been better off at Atlanta? Like, I just, I just don't know. He definitely would have been better off at the at the Suns, I think, um, because he would have been with Devin Booker. Well, well, he might have kept Igor Koshkov's job open yeah. for a bit longer, and, and you know, just him having him and Booker would have been pretty good for the next mm. decade, right? Um, 
But you know how, like, so the Mavs, you know how we, we've, we've said for years that you could c- curate a, t- a Twitter experience of all the best NBA Twitter accounts and you could probably run a front office just by sort of floating an idea on on that group and seeing what happened. Well, I, I reckon it's time to take it one step further. I reckon one of the teams should be sponsored by ChatGPT and ChatGPT should be the um, – should be the general manager instead of getting a, a proper general manager. So I asked it some questions. I started off with, is Jason Kidd a good coach? And <laughs> this is the response. Overall, whether or not Jason Kidd is considered a good coach is somewhat subjective and dependent on a variety of factors, including team performance, player development, and coaching style. That's literally some how ChatGPT starts every, every one of its statements, but, you know, do go on. <laughs> Well, some people may consider him a good coach based on his track record, while others may have a different opinion. Not overwhelmingly positive, I might say. Maybe, you know, get someone that you just get a straight well, yes. Chat GPT's never getting a gig on one of those Kendrick Perkins hot take shows with those sorts of takes. That's just far too far <laughs> no, too middle right. of the fucking road. So then I asked them asked Chat GPT whether JaVale McGee was a starting center. Um, the answer is he has uh, been. <laughs> yes. Well, they paid him for three years and he has a player option and I'm pretty sure he'll be taking that player option up. The the, the one where he try, he called for a post-up against Embiid and got shitty and Hardaway didn't throw him the ball was just chef's kiss, you know, spectacular. Um, like these guys are taking Daryl Morey's team chemistry doesn't matter or, you know, let's build a sustainable roster around a superstar rather than just get some talent in to a new degree. Like, they have no second-round picks at all for fucking ages. They've got nothing there to do anything with. There was some suggestion that they didn't really trade much to get to go for Kyrie. They traded real stuff that they are not going to fucking see. 2030 is their next second-round pick. Like, okay, you say that doesn't matter, right? Oh, what does a second-round pick? But if you've got to throw in a second-round well, pick to- Well, the problem is uh, when you're the Mavericks, it doesn't matter because they're no good at yeah. it. Yeah. Well, but if you've got to throw in a second-round pick to make a deal work and you don't have any, then then they're pretty important, I guess. Uh, I just can't see how they're going to dig themselves out of this hole. Like, Josh Green might be their best trade chip. They, they can't be trading that- him. They can't be trying I, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's right, because he's like the only guy that can sort of semi-defend and he's young and can run around a bit and doesn't pout. Uh, yeah. Who, who knows? Maybe they fire kid and get, you know, an actual proper NBA coach like Bud and he sort of fixes them up a bit. But uh, does Luca want to be coached? I don't know. He, like, it seemed like he did when he was in, in Europe. Like, he was known as being a hyper-competitive but coachable guy. But um, I can't remember which pod I was listening to, but they were saying when Luca and Kyrie run a pick and roll, it's like basically one of the most devastating points per possession plays you can run in the NBA, you know, almost undefendable. But instead they're playing, you know, ISO, you go, I go, bullshit. And maybe that's just a function of, they haven't had much time together, but you'd think that just spamming pick and rolls for a whole game would be a sustainable thing to do. Yeah, I 
You don't care about the Mavs. <laughs> Look, I, I don't because, you know, I'm much more about vibes and this just reeks of karma. This just yep. reeks of karma. Of, yeah, it's, of, it's, it's, it's Zach know, Lowe's NBA basketball gods. Mark Cuban trying to do like a stupid Shark Tank style deal and it blowing up in his face and it's glorious. And even even Luca, I mean, Adam Adam was ragging on, on Luca last week because you weren't on the show. Uh, and the only time we're allowed to talk smack about Luca is when you're not on the podcast. Uh, but backing his point, from last week, it, it, it is Luca's tetchiness and shittiness which is getting them out of game. I mean, like I said, he, he's going to get as many techs as friggin' Dylan Brooks and Draymond Green, and it's not through fouls. It's just through not fucking shutting up. It's totally fucking unnecessary. But at least, you know, if he does hit that suspension wall, uh, he won't be, serve, won't be losing any games in the playoffs because they're not going to fucking make it. It's increasingly looking not like it, eh? But they, but they keep they're losing his minutes. The the the, the Luca only minutes are the ones that they are losing by a long stretch because of all those complimentary pieces they traded away to get the to to get Kyrie in the building. Well, the other thing is things aren't breaking right for them in terms of the other teams aren't losing. You know, the Thunder. Well, they did all lose still, on the same day. Uh, yeah, but the point. Thunder, the Timberwolves, the Pel- like the the Pelicans and the Timberwolves are seven eight at the moment, like. They've sort of righted the ship and come good enough. Timberwolves that- are properly good. Carl Towns is having yeah. a even in the games he's resting on Sega Babas, and, and that's basically the, the the word of the week is Sega Baba, the second game of a back to back, because that has fucked so many promising games of basketball in the last week or so. It it ruined the the fucking the the Embiid Jokic showdown it ruined today's games it's just um it's just made a complete fucking mess of, of what could have been really interesting games not to say i mean a lot of these big top of the table clashes maybe one team were going to run dead anyway cuz they didn't want to show you know maybe the nuggets were going to run dead um probably not against the pelicans though maybe the bucks were go- going to run dead against the celts anyway but um well that it, pelicans it, game is is just simple math right the grizz can't catch yeah. them for first so if 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 Jokic is feeling even tired, you just go. He's got a calf thingy, I think, you know, or he's got some kind of little little twinge. And, and yeah. they, they said, "Look, seven games to go. We're not going to bother." The, look, the the the, the, the Grizz actually aren't yeah. that far behind now. They're only three games down, and the Kangs are only two games behind that. But yes, the Grizz are going well, but they're not going that well. Nuggets have got a ah. Oh, see, they've got the Rockets, the Jazz. They've got a few hard games though. They have got the Suns twice, the Warriors, the Kings. And the Rockets and the Jazz. There's only like two yeah. gimmies there. But two gimmies is enough. I'm not sure what their magic number is to, to finish in the, in the one. And, and the Suns games will be fascinating because there's no uh, – I suppose the, you know, the Suns can't really fall out of the 4-5, I don't think. Um, it's still pretty close. They could four lose through, home court. Four through yeah. heaps. Four through 11 at least. Um you wouldn't want to cough up too many games in that one. Well, th- this is where you might, uh, in the old way, you would have tr- maybe decided to tactically tank for the sixth, right, so that you get the Grizzlies' king side of the draw. But you can't do that now because you might end up with seventh and being bounced in a single-game yeah, elimination. Yeah. That's what I love about this. It's like you really have to keep trying to stay in that 5-6 range because you, you don't want to slip. Um yeah, the, the the playing game's absolutely working, no doubt about yeah, it. It's solved know. so many problems. It's like that law of unintended consequences, but all the unintended consequences are good for once. Mm. It just doesn't ha- it doesn't <laughs> fucking happen that way. So true. Do we take anything out of the the Bucks getting spanked today, or is that just like five games in seven days? I think what we tweeted about, which was that the Bucks went out there in their fucking bootleg reject shop 
Kang's jerseys from the, the late 2000s, and, and I literally tweeted, Bucks are in the reject shop, Kang's jerseys, Celtics by 27. They were up 28 at the half. So, you know, maybe maybe we tweeted that into existence. Maybe that was always going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't take anything from that at all. You take it as much yeah. from that as from the uh, Celtics just, constantly losing to the fucking Magic or everybody losing to the fucking Hornets. Or the Wizards. They lost to the Wizards last week. Like, that's that's way more concerning, especially when they could get first, right? Like, if they'd beaten the Wizards the other day and won this game, it'd be pretty tight at the top. Yeah, they've lost a, they've lost a few battling Still two games. games back. But, you know... They're both seven and three. Actually, the top four in the in the in the East are sort of all in form. They're all around that seven seven three six and four mark, um, which is you know I guess that's what you want to see. Sort of now now there'll be a bit of strategic tanking, but you know the Nuggets are five and five. The Suns are four and six. I suppose they just yep. got KD back today, but yesterday, yep. Um, it looked decent, but not. You know, not jump out the gym kind of terrifying. There could be one or two first-round upsets in the West, for sure. Well, how do you even call it a first-round upset when all the teams pretty much have the same record? You know, the, the, there's no upset in the 4-5. And given that how edgy and nervous Sacramento look trying to – just trying to secure their playoff spot, you feel like they're going to – you know, they're, they're good for a, losing at least one game at home at the start of whatever series they play against the sixth seed. That's going six or seven games, no matter what. I want to it's talk. A, it's a shame we couldn't get, you know, Kings Lakers in the first round with the Kings just absolutely wiping the floor with them just to bury yeah. a few more ghosts. But, um, or even in a, you know, a play. Well, we still fun, could but, because Sacramento, yeah. you know, if Sacramento gets gets the two and the Lakers win the play in. Actually, the Lakers can't win the play-in, yeah, can they? Because okay. the highest they can finish is eighth at the moment. They'd, they'd have Although to finish Although they win a couple more games. I mean, they're only half yeah. a game behind no, no. New Orleans and Minnesota. And the Pelicans do have a – although they, they did well today, they do have a, on paper, a pretty ugly um, schedule for the rest of the – now, if they keep running into teams like mm. the Nuggets who have already put the queue in the rack, they'll be fine. But um, they – I mean, they're only literally one one win flipped from Oklahoma in Yeah, they've tenth. got – they got Clippers, Kings, Grizz, Knicks, which might be a bit easier now that Randall's out. Yeah, poor bit out for Pelicans. Randall. He should be back ah, sorry, just in time for the playoffs. Yeah, so the, in the East, the ten's sort of set, but yeah. uh, I guess there's there's a little bit of earnest. And Nets are Nets are clinging onto that six spot, which will be like a, a really good achievement for Jacques Vaughan if if he gets them into that top six. And not has to play a playoff game. That's an achievement. Yeah, but on the other hand, that means they they have to play the Sixers. And if they get absolutely, you know, if they get swept by the Sixers, which they probably won't do because it's the Sixers. But if they get swept by the Sixers, that would be a pretty demoralising full stop at the end of of the sentence. The, the sentence that reads, "The Sixers won the trade." Yeah, oh, the East just feels a lot like chalk first round. Yeah, I, I can't see an upset. So like. You know, everyone's been going, oh, zombie heat, zombie heat. And then they, I don't trust you know, them. can't even knock the Knicks over the other the, the other day when they really needed to win that game to to get into that sixth spot. I, I'm not sure I see Miami beating Atlanta in the in the 7-8. And then if they have to play either of Toronto or Chicago, I don't see them. I can easily mm. see them going out in straight sets for the seventh seed in the playing tournament. Because yeah. I just don't fucking trust them. They don't have what they used to have. And the, and the Wizards are the Mavs, but without the um, – you, you, you can't even say. Well, at least we've got Luka Doncic. They can't even say. No, they've got they've got Chris Stapps, Porzingis, who they're about to re up at vast expense. Oh yeah. 
because that, yeah, that, that, they that are, team needs to be – you need to expensively um, re-up a team that is – the best they've ever achieved is like 34 and 42. And you, and you could have torn this team down for parts sometime in this sometime season in the last and 40 years. gone full tank. I, yeah. It, they, they baffle me, the Wizards. It's almost like they're 10 years behind in the way that the NBA runs. But They haven't won 50 um, games in a season since before we, either of us were born. Since the year they won Jeez. the chip in the mid seventies, late seventies, did they not win fifty games that nah. Paul Pierce year? Were they? They yeah. were low down in the standings. Yeah, right. He called game. You no, know, I suppose fifty games. You, you're sort of top top three, top yeah. top four. You'll be a home seed in the uh, yeah. in the playoffs. And the the thing is, you can't even really start talking about potential matchups anyway because you don't know who the seven and eight are going to be. They've really done a great job in extending the the way that the regular season works. The only wrinkle I would love is I'd love to see, you know, the, the top team being able to pick their own yeah. opponent. But like you said, that's never going to happen because of because they, they don't want hurt feelings in the NBA at any stage, despite all of them making- I don't know. Since they did the, the draft lottery, although they did it in a way that was- Sorry, the, the all-star draft lottery. Um, yeah. All-star draft. I'll get my words out eventually. Uh, they couched that so that people didn't get their feelings hurt. One of the things that, that's a bit of a disadvantage for the one and two seed is that ex, you know, video room guys like uh, Modakil and Amino Hassan have pointed this out. It means that they have to prep for like four different opponents you can't prep. in a way that, mm. that you know. But whereas whereas your opponent literally knows if they get if they get through, they're going to be playing you. So it is a little bit uh, of a watercoolness. But you'd like to think it would you'd be you know that the. the in your favour, the fact that you won 20 more games in the regular season might actually be in your favour. And they've just played two, you know, yeah. emotionally exhausting knockout games in terms of You can of the ride that scene. momentum, though, although momentum uh, is, a, you know, an arbitrary concept in sport. But you can ride that kind of emotional moment uh, and use it to take a game off. I'm pretty sure, um, I feel like LeBron's Cavs did that in one of the final series against the, one of the ones they got flogged in against the Warriors. I firmly believe that, there might be a year where someone wins it from the playing game because you're going to get like possible, but it's harder than it know, is in the NFL where, where there were a couple of years in a row where a wild card won through on the road in every game and won the Super Bowl because they're only single elimination games. You might have to play away at their, at their joint, but you've games, only got to yeah. do that three times. You don't have to do that. 16 times. I'm thinking like if a Nuggets had went without Jokic for a, a large stretch or the Bucks went without Giannis for a large stretch. And so, you know, you just straggle into the into the play-in, but you win enough games, you know, you, you have that person come back sort of 20 games to go and you're fit and healthy and ready ready to roll, but, you you know, you lost a whole heap of games while they were out. It's possible. It's And, that, and that's what the NBA wants to see, right, is the last thing they want what? is – for teams to shut down a superstar halfway through the year because there's no chance of making the finals. Whereas I guess we're seeing that this year with the Lakers, right? The Lakers are- Well, I was going to uh, say, if there's anybody who, who could do that to this year, it would be the Lakers. It depends. Lakers, I mean, yeah. LeBron, it depends how bad LeBron's feet are. Austin Reeves, Lakers. They, they might be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, LeBron, they need to sit LeBron so Austin Reeves can shut. Um, see, LeBron told everyone how he'd gone against medical advice from a lot of doctors to- not get surgery and to play on because he saw the LeBron James of feet um, 
Which makes you think, well, I hope I hope the LeBron James of feet didn't also go straight into practice from high school. It's important to go to college when you're when you're the, the a foot doctor. It was interesting on on Amin and Tom Haberstroh's podcast. They actually unpicked who that guy is because they're trying to cover up the dude's name. And they said, no, nah, no, nah, it's this guy uh, who is you know highly highly credible, but. Um, but uh, I suppose we have to do the cliched NBA podcast content. Bezo, what would you be the LeBron of? <laughs> well, certainly not podcasting. Fire twirling? Uh, no. Once upon a time, it was terrible Saturday morning hangovers, but I've managed to rein that back in a Look, little bit. we're all the LeBron <laughs> hangovers. I don't know. I don't know whether I'm actually good enough at anything to do that. I'm more what's – a, what's a chippy overachiever in the NBA – Patrick um, Beverly. Like I, I'm bet I'm better than the Pat Bev of coaching. I'm not that, <laughs> you know. I think I actually have more talent than that. I think we've um, established that Pat Bev is is only good for a specific kind of mediocre, low 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 breed team that really needs a kick up the ass. He's really good yeah. for that team, and it won't be for very long. But that that's the only yeah, the only he's like an extremely specific role player. As a locker room guy, and it only, it's only worked in Minnesota, and it's only worked in, um, in so Chicago. How stoked do you reckon half the league was to see Austin Reeves too small, Pat Bev? There are a <laughs> like- whole lot of black men applauding that extremely white man, saying, "Thank you, bro. you're my brother." Because uh, I think, uh, think about think of it, both sides of the aisle, black and white, like that fucking that predator arm wrestling meme. Both sides of the aisle were un- unified in their in their delight in seeing Pat Bev. Uh, take the fucking L. You got any other sporting takes? I got. I really got nothing. Like, I, I sort of. You told feel- me you had notes and notes and no, notes. No, no. I just, I just have my bit about the Mavs being run by, uh, we'll by an artificial intelligence and, be- and the research because, you because uh, uh, you don't want to dig into the fucking MVP discourse. No, I don't. Oh, I'm so tired. I hear, I, I hear that the latest Tim Bontemps straw poll has got Embiid actually marginally ahead of Jokic thanks to all that bullshit narrative from fucking Perkins and Embiid crying and whinging and bleeding and sledging Jokic and then not actually playing against him. It's like, this is pathetic. Give it to Giannis. Well, it's just such a weird award, right? Because everyone knows Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Like, I love Jokic, right? I love well, him. I everyone think he's awesome. Embiid. I enjoy <laughs> Well, the, the thing about people say, oh, defense matters and that's why Giannis should win. Vibes actually do matter in a team, and Embiid just doesn't have great vibes. Like He has horrific vibes. He would be a horrible dude to play with. He's got a bit of that lucre in him when, when shit goes bad. Like, I, I played touch with this guy, and it, our team wasn't particularly good. I've got um, it. You're the LeBron James of crowbarring in touch football references. <laughs> Well, that's probably true. Like, our team wasn't particularly good and we hadn't played that well and and it's not like we were in the tournament, right? We weren't going to win a final. We weren't going to win a chip sort of thing. And this guy took an intercept. We were attacking the line and guy took an intercept. And this bloke turned and chased him, fucking the full length of the field, dived in the corner, made the touch and dislocated his shoulder, got up, and was, like, screaming at everyone else to get back. And, like, no one else was with him, like, within half a field, right? Because everyone's just like, oh, this guy's gone sort of thing. And Embiid is just the complete opposite of that. You know, if that intercept was going, he was already sort of moseying over to the sub box going, well, that try scored. Like, he just doesn't he just doesn't seem very inspirational when shit's not going well. Awesome player when, when he's on, right, when he's dominating. But 
I just don't know how well he does with adversity. Well, no, you know he's going to shit talk you in a fucking Instagram post, and that that can't be much, you know, well, much fun to play with. That's um, that's all right. That'll be good good PR for the for the pod. Sure enough, the Blazers have have basically sat Dame for the rest of this season because they're not going to make the play in, and Billups is on the hot seat. And I'm wondering whether it's wa- worth wasting another half season of Dame's prime just to get Billups out of Portland because it been. That might be enough to get me back in the fucking building in terms of fandom because Phillips is, it was, you know, I mean, Google exists, folks. You know, find out what the basis of my concerns about his character might be. Um, but it's, it's fucking tough to watch. But it might actually also get Dame out of the building. And that's, I suppose, it's, it's the danger they're playing. Uh, like, at this stage, are you better getting as many parts as you can to surround? The next generation, like Shaden Sharp and and Simons, but build around those two guys. Like, are you going to be any worse than you are this year if you get rid of all the veterans? Are you just building another version of what you've just had? Well, maybe not Simons, but like Sharp is probably the guy, right? Sharp's the guy you build around. Like, you're still going to get a shitload for Dame. Like, the guy in a side that absolutely sucks is being talked about as one of the top five MVPs. Yeah. You know, like in the top five, you know, he might get some fifth place votes. Like, I think he absolutely will because the dude's just, you know, and it's not like the four other guys on the on the court are dragging, you know, players away from him. You can pretty much just load up on Dame. They invented um, anti-gravity in Portland. Yeah. There yeah, are people who, right. who literally push defenders towards your best player. Yeah. It's the complete opposite of um, Steph Well, that yeah, would complete this. If if they do trade Dame, that completes the set of uh, of all my basketball jerseys, which include a Nash Lakers jersey, an Exum Jazz jersey, Exum. a Simmons a Simmons Sixers jersey, and two Dame Lillard Blazers jerseys. The, the the question is like, if you're trading for Dame, you got to be somewhere close, right? But then you've also got to have a stockpile of assets, like picks and stuff. Like Philly, maybe? they still got all their picks. I don't know. Like, was, if you've Harden- The story originally was that they were going to trade him. You know, it was a Ben Simmons trade destination back when they were doing that sort of stuff. You Obviously, know, if Harden pisses not, off you know. back to the strip clubs of Houston, do they, you know, do they make a run at Dame? I don't, I don't know. I just, I just, I can't really find a, a really- Does Dallas sign and trade Kyrie, Kyrie. to- uh, But then to what, are, what are Portland doing with Kyrie? Like, that makes no sense either. Letting him chill, um, letting him sage the joint, because that his vibe would actually work quite well in Portland. Yeah, that's actually the problem because I think Portland's. I mean, all fan bases trade on loyalty and all that sort of stuff, but I think Portland, you could very easily piss your fan base off a lot by trading Dame, even if it does kind of look like everything's done there. I think you know some of your fan base would leave with him, apart from the people, and, and that's the, the building. That that's the danger, right? Is like, like, are you better off doing the Kobe thing and? paying the guy lots of money and just sucking for a couple of years, but still having that reputation of being a community-minded organisation that yeah. looks after the, the, the person that's involved. In it. And I can understand that. Like, and the other thing is that the other what, kids- What's better, coming 13th and having that reputation or, or coming 6th and getting bounced in the fir- in the first round of the finals and and not having- Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but with, uh, with those kids, it's not- I mean, Sharp and Simons and that are not going to be ready to be- a contending team for a while, and anybody else you get in is going to be young as well. 
Maybe you have Dame as the figurehead of the team while in the background you're tankifying the team and, and getting it all ready for when Dame actually does ride off into the sunset. Yeah. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit. LeVar Ball is the anti-Drake curse. He kept turning up to what games. Did he turn up and they won? He kept turning up to games. Like he turned up in a Parramatta jersey and Parramatta won. And he turned up in, uh, he turned up to another game. I think he turned up to the South game and his South jersey and South won. He was currently over here in New Zealand trying to, chalking up the idea of getting, you know, his spare kid, uh, Leangelo, onto the breakers and saying that uh, Bronny James should forget about the NBA and come and play in the, in, in the NBL and learn to play there, which is, um, Pandering, I think, is the nicest way of referring to it. But we've had a whole lot of LeVar Ball content in the last week or so in the sports media here, and um, it's been far too much. I, th- I was quite happy when I thought that guy had just faded into into, uh, into the distance. At least, unlike Drake, when he, he wears a team's jersey, or Kim Kardashian when he, when she turns up, you know, you're not going to fucking lose. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Hey, give me a, a qu- quick potted history of. 24-hour racing, is it all on just straight roads or is Goes some of it day. on actual tracks? Yeah, I figured that. Um, and, that and, and that was another thing I wanted to ask. So, so does it always sort of start at sort of mid-afternoon so that it finishes mid-afternoon or does some of them start in the morning? Or So the, the granddaddy, the top specimen for these is the Le Mans 24 hours, which starts on a Saturday about 3 o'clock in the afternoon or 4 o'clock, depending. It's varied through the years and then runs through the night. But it's in the middle of um, the French summer, so there's actually only about seven hours of darkness. So it's actually quite a daylighty 24-hour race. And that's on a track that used to be public roads, but in, over the years has become less and less. Like parts of the track have kind of been, you know, bypassed by the main roads so that the track just becomes a, essentially a racetrack. There's only kind of the big main straight and, and some other bits and pieces are, 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 are public roads now. Um, the Spa 24 hours is another 24 hour race, but that's actually for GT3 cars, like the, not quite the full prototypes that run at, at Le Mans. Daytona 24 hours is, is the, is kind of the American one. It's on a, basically on what they call a Roval, which is like the, the Daytona NASCAR track, but also with an infield track. And they also have a 12 hour race called Sebring, which is their bit, one of their, their biggest, um, endurance races. Um, and the Nürburgring 24, which is the maddest of all, which is a little bit like Bathurst used to be in like the eighties where you'd have the top class and then all these other random classes like Toyota Corollas and all kinds just of random shit. Except they have like 160 of these fucking like weekenders going around this ridiculously long track. It's, it's just, it's basically just napalm death if you, apocalypse. If you were a top car, you'd be better off just like pitting for the first 10 laps, wouldn't you? Uh, well, the problem is that a lap takes like eight to nine minutes. So you'd be, You'd yeah. be there for a couple of weeks. But, yeah, so, um, so um, endurance racing has been around for an extremely long time. What brought to you to the attention of, of endurance racing? Was it just watching well, Racing in the Dark? No, no. Racing in the Dark's fucking uh, cool. Like, I had a couple of movies downloaded for some flights. And, oh, that's right. You know, I'd heard, I'd, I'd, I'd heard good things about Ford versus Ferrari. And I, I like Damon and I really like the director. I like James Mangold. So this and- is the story of when, when Henry Ford tried to buy Ferrari and then Enzo said, go fuck yourself. So Ford said, all right, no, I will go fuck myself and then I'll, I'll build a car and, and put a team together and I'll come and win Le Mans, which they did four years I, in a row. And I did not know that first bit. I did not know Ford had tried to buy Ferrari. That, yeah. Like now that Ferrari seems Ferrari were completely- independent and, and I think they ended up – I suspect it was the Italian government came and said, no, you're not selling to America, you know, and, and yeah. got Fiat to buy them. And, you know, the, they were under Fiat control for, for decades until relatively recently, which now they're – now they're publicly listed. Yeah, so like 
Now that seems completely normal, right? Like car companies buy other car companies and brands and badges and stuff and some of them move so many times you don't even really know where they sit. Like does Volkswagen still own – what's that batshit crazy fast car? Volkswagen own everything. So the Volkswagen <laughs> Audi group includes Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, Bentley, Lamborghini, Ducati – Bugatti, I think. Bugatti was the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Skoda, say it. There will be others. I can't get them all. But yeah, that and that's that was the first mega group, and then Fiat merged with Chrysler, and then they have merged with Peugeot Citroen, and then they have bought Vauxhall Opel. So there's this group called Stellantis, which French, Italian, American, English. Which on Smith and Sniff, which is a really good motoring podcast, I like. Um, Johnny Smith from Fifth Gear and Smith Sniff Petrol, Richard Porter, who who was the scriptwriter for Top Gear for many years, they refer to Stellantis as being like a, a Eurobeat dance act from like the 90s because it sounds like the kind of group that would be uh, DJing on a uh, Beatha at some stage. But yeah, so Stellantis yeah. is this mega group of Fiat, Chrysler, the French and the Germans and the former GM Europe brands essentially. But you end up with this situation where they end up racing against themselves. Like Audi and Porsche fucking hate each other's guts. So they were fighting over who was the Volkswagen Group brand who got to go to Formula One. And Audi have won that battle. Porsche have given up. But in the process, Audi, who did have an extremely long history in, in long, long 24-hour races, they they pretty much won every race from like the 2000s through to the, the middle of the 2010s. Uh, they can't get back into the World Endurance Championship, the sports cars, because Porsche are there. So they're what they really want to do is race against each other and beat the shit out of each other. But weirdly enough, the parent company who has to pay for all of this isn't super keen for like, them to do we're, that. We're not giving both our kids the the car. So instead, Lamborghini are going. Porsche and Lamborghini are going to be battling each other. They are two technically two parts of the same company, but they've got different market niches. I think they refer. Yeah, to and, and like I messaged you, the, the movie did a really good job, and I actually went, went and watched a bit of old race footage on YouTube as well. But it just seems batshit insane to race those cars, especially some of those older cars yep. at night with not great headlights in poor conditions, but not really going that much slower, like not going considerably slower, which is what I would do if, with a car that highly powered in those conditions. It's quicker in the dark. Um, which is- It's quicker in the dark because the temperature's oh, lower. it's cooler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So at Le Mans, they even- They give them- Softer tyres to run in the dark. They can only run them basically when the sun is down because they're too soft to last a stint. But they will regularly set their quickest laps of the race at four in the fucking morning, slaloming around GT cars. Yeah, It is right. a very different world well, from Formula One. Whenever you saw these sort of prima donna, Max Verstappen style, giving out quotes like he's Joel Embiid, just remember that, you know, he's not even – a tenth of the kind of driver that would end up at the, would win the Le Mans 24 hours. And I, I say this largely because Australians and New Zealanders have a habit of winning the Le Mans 24 hours um, and not Formula th- One. That was like I've always been baffled by the Berlin Marathon being one of the fastest marathons in the world. And you look at the course and you go, like, I, I realise it's flat, but it's not exactly, you know, a nice – curved, straightish course, like there's a fair few turns and stuff in it, you know, whereas you, if you look at the Gold Coast Marathon, it's essentially like an out and back, you know, two straight lines. But Yeah, but it's that's like thing, thick, like, humid air. Yeah, that's that's the point. It's like that the Berlin Marathon, they start at like 11 degrees or 8 degrees in the morning, uh, 8 degrees of temperature, and it 
doesn't get over 14. And even someone like Kipchoge, who, or, or all of those Kenyan, Ethiopian runners that are used to running, you know, in their home countries in the heat, they still like their 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 bodies are like a car, right? They just essentially run better when it's cooler because it's easier to process all the things that they're doing. Um, yeah, so maybe they need to go to somewhere very cold and very straight to to set the you know the next record. But I guess you got to also have somewhere where there's lots of people. Major, major sausage that is. Look at the state of it. Did you catch any of the um, throwing box off a hill? So I think that was on uh, would have been oh the road rule one. No, I didn't catch any of. Yeah, no. I asked this because I didn't catch any of it either. I saw it was in the in the program guide, but I didn't actually watch any. We are, we are losing our, our group as as Australasia's leading throwing bike yeah. hills podcast. Well, well, this with, is with our, this with, is the with our, you know we got distracted by being Australasia's most Kangs and or Nick's positive, positive NBA pod- Jason podcast. Th- this is where the YouTube algorithm is letting me down because you know you watch one mountain biking video and then you know they just sort of pop up pop up pop up but they seem to have drifted off my off my radar and i haven't um haven't been watching enough obviously for me to get all the you know the promo videos of you know warm-ups and practices on the rotorua track so and the other thing is competed it with all the joe rogan (laughs) um a couple of the guys that i really got into it have sort of either aged or injured out like seminuk doesn't ride those races at all now he pretty much only does seminuk's gone rally racing hasn't he yeah he rally races but like he makes his money him and travis makes his money from you know from his like surfing style videos right that not not the competition stuff um the funny thing is though all the guys that you know pop off and do whatever they like during the year they still all come back and do rampage like rampage is still that one that no matter what you're doing you sort of like to keep your street cred, you've almost got to do. And yeah. is surfing like that? Is the big, you know, the big break in Hawaii a little bit like that, where you've got to go and do that? Not really. the The free surfers don't. There, there's a fairly clear distinction between the free surfers and the competition surfers. And people will just go off into free surfing, and they won't. They won't really come back. They might come back and do like big wave stuff, but like some of the big invitationals, like the Eddie Cow, which is only on every couple of years because it's it's conditions dependent. But um, yeah. usually guys make a decision. Like Owen Wright is a, is retiring. This is Tyler Wright's brother. Um, he had a really nasty fall on his head at Pipeline a couple of years ago, and uh, he took quite a long time to come back with head injuries. So I think he's, he's kind of keen to do it on his own merits now. Um, he's also got a family and a wife and all that sort of stuff. But he might be a guy who goes off and does a bit more free surfing and a bit less competition stuff because it's a bit of a grind, particularly since they reinvented the, the the tour to have a lot more jeopardy in terms of falling off the tour and you know like a, a single elimination or like a, a consecutive yeah. elimination finals and this sort of stuff. They've Americanized the series massively, so if you finish on top on points, it doesn't actually matter that much. It just seeds you at number one for the knockout tournament at the end. All right, Doc. Shall we come back and talk some music, music, music? We should do that. This was the Bulls Podcast. I'm Doc. He's Bezo. And we will talk to you again next week. See ya. Gary has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know. All right, dude. I will... Catch you later. All right, you, you enjoy your week. We'll talk on the internet. Yeah, we'll work something out. out. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get maybe it. Maybe Sunday's a bit better. Although, 
When does the actual play? The play probably will have started by Sunday, I think. No, I think it's April. I thought it was April 11th. I saw today. Look this up. Hey, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if you saw the news, but um, Nas Reed broke his hand today, so that that's a big blow for the Timberwolves. Yes, probably should have talked about that on our podcast. Mm. I only, I only just saw oh, it. None of our listeners would, would know who when Nas we finished. Reed was. They would have thought he's the what? dude who he's the dude who used to dish no, Jay Z in their rap albums. You're right, April 11, so it's the it um, sound a bit like that, doesn't it? it is the other side of it's like Easter. It'll be April 12 our time, so that's like Easter, like some Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So um, yeah, we could do very yeah. easily do a um end of regular season Sunday. I mean, sort of recap of the season. The 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 wins pool was was settled some time ago, I think. And I don't really don't think we're getting a change. But oh, you'd have to share so many that. fucking wins. I, know. I actually thought about going. I did go through and count the number of games left. I know, and the number but, of games but, in which. You were playing one of us. But my shit teams are not doing that well, and Memphis and Denver don't really have any incentive to go hard for the rest of the way, and they're my... Yeah, they might have queued the rack. Look, I, I don't think it's worth nine wins. I just don't. And, and the only thing is, like, all, all those teams that aren't mine in that morass have to keep winning. Like, if Dallas decides to pull up stumps, uh, like, the, the funnily enough, the Nets have been like, you know, just scamming me the occasional win to keep me. And same with Chicago. But Indiana's like, no, nah, we're done. Uh, and, and then the Mavs have just sucked. The Mavs are like. So Adam's fine. got Boston, Cleveland, Sacramento, yeah. Golden State, Minnesota. I'm starting to see why he's going well. New Orleans, Atlanta. He picked bloody well. He really did like pick bloody well. All of those well. sides need to keep winning, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. He does have a lot of back-to-backs coming Whereas, up. like, OKC might be the one, right, if the Suns just decide, hey, we're in the 4-5. I don't think they can. Um, I really don't think the Suns can afford to do that. No, that's the thing, right? The Suns have to keep winning And they, too. they want to play as well as they can because they have to integrate KD in because they've spent literally 15 minutes with the dude. They have to figure out how to play with him. I mean, the all the chat about fucking, oh, you know, he's plug and play, yada, yada, yada. No, you've still got to figure out what he does when you do the, when you do A, you need to find out what he does in reaction to that. Yeah. Purely selfishly, it makes my life a lot easier if Adam wins because then I could just send both of you something and I could fucking forget about it. <laughs> All right, dude. I'll, uh, I'll catch you next week. Yep. Oh, we forgot to press record. <laughs> Fuck off, Zencaster. We may never use you again. Yeah. It's a bit rude. All right. Tap. See ya.